So how many of y'all does that kind of scare a little bit that we're going to spend the next four weeks talking about the Holy Spirit? Who's ready for a crazy service? And <laughs> I think you guys are going to be surprised, actually, once we get through this series about who the Holy Spirit is and who He's supposed to be in our lives, because there's a lot of misconceptions out there. There's a lot of fear around the Holy Spirit that doesn't need to be there, and I hope to clear that up for you guys over the next four weeks. So I want to start with a verse that actually is going to help us understand why this series is important. Like, why are we going to spend four weeks talking about the Holy Spirit? And to give you some context, we're going into the book of Acts, which is the fifth book in the New Testament. Um, The first four books are called the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And all four of those books explain the life of Jesus. It's actually four accounts of the life of Jesus. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John were actually real people who who, uh, lived alongside Jesus and then wrote about him afterwards. And then Acts is the story of the early church. In other words, if you want to know why we're here meeting today, like how did all this get started, go read the book of Acts because it tells you why. Um, But we're going to read in chapter 19, which is actually decades into the early church. And what's interesting about Acts is it starts talking about the Holy Spirit. Then here we are in chapter 19, decades into it, and look at what it's still talking about. Acts 19 verse 1 and 2 says, While Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus on the coast where he found several believers. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? He asked them. No, they replied. We haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. You know, what's interesting about this is that there's still people that have this same response to the question today. Like they believe in Jesus, they're going to heaven, but they haven't received the Holy Spirit in their life. And there's several reasons this happens. And the main reason is because the Holy Spirit's kind of given a bad rap. Like it's something that makes you crazy and kind of scares everybody around you. Like the reason people get stuck here is because their theology is not based on what the Bible says, but maybe what their grandma told them or, or what some other believer told them or a bad experience that they've had at church in the past where people went crazy. And so they base it on that instead of what the Word says. And you'll hear them say things like, I don't, I don't want any of that Holy Ghost stuff. And you know what? To be honest with you, I don't want anything to do with a ghost either. And if I get involved with this stuff, like I may have to wear a lot of makeup or maybe no makeup at all, I'm for sure going to have to cut my hair off and I need to shave my beard, right, to fit in with this Holy Spirit stuff. And there's a lot of confusions and there's a lot of things that are associated with the Holy Spirit that just simply aren't true. So I want to ask you to hang with me over the next four weeks, especially if the Holy Spirit is a little bit scary to you. Like, don't turn me off, just hang with me. Give me four weeks and I promise you're going to, become, you're going to come to know the person of the Holy Spirit, not the ghost not the crazy experience, but the person of the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit is just as much God as Jesus is. And I'm going to show you how essential it is that you have the Holy Spirit in your life, because he plays a very specific role in your life while you're here on this earth. And trust me, you don't want to live this life without him. Actually, this series is basically a continuation of the series that we just came out of, which is All That Matters. And you may remember this, the ultimate purpose for your life is to make a difference. Now try to live out this purpose for your life without the Holy Spirit, and you're going to come up short. So the series we just came out of was all about like why to live your life for others and kind of what that life looks like. And then this series is going to be all about how, how to live your life for others. So how do you live your life for others? Well, you got to have the power of the Holy Spirit working in your life. So go ahead and set aside all the preconceived ideas that you have of the Holy Spirit and all those negative experiences and all those negative things that people have said to you in the past. And see the Holy Spirit through fresh eyes today. Can we do that? All right. So I want to start by introducing you to the Holy Spirit. Because I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you like insight into his nature. And this 
This isn't going to be Cade's idea of the Holy Spirit. This isn't my grandma's idea of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to go right into the Word, and I'm going to show you who the Holy Spirit is. Actually, you'll see him referred to as two different things in the Bible, depending on what translation you're reading. You'll see Holy Spirit, and then you'll see Holy Ghost. And those, those terms are interchangeable. And the reason is the translators kind of had a dilemma. Like there wasn't really a good English word to translate Holy Spirit. You see, the Bible was written in two different languages. The Old Testament was written in Hebrew, and the New Testament was written in Greek. So what I want to do is I want to go back to the original words, both in Hebrew and Greek, that were translated to Holy Spirit. It's going to give us an idea of what is really meant here. So here we go. Old Testament Hebrew, the word was ruach. Ruach. Something like that. And what it means is a wind, breath, a violent exhalation, blast of breath. I want you to notice that it, the definition has nothing to do with the spirit or ghost. But you can understand why the English translators did what they did, because how weird would it be to be calling him a holy breath? Right? The only thing we talk about is a stinky breath. So to call part of God a holy breath just probably isn't going to work out too well. But going back to the original language kind of gives us some insight into the nature of the Holy Spirit. And the word ruach, I can't do that little thing at the end, was actually used in the second verse of the Bible, Genesis 1-2. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters, and the Spirit, or the ruach, of God hovering, was hovering over the surface of the waters. So the breath of God was hovering over the surface of the waters, which makes total sense, because if you keep reading, what did God do to create the world? He spoke it into existence. And what do you do when you speak? You released a blast of breath. And I imagine God's wasn't stinky like yours is, right? <laughs> but now let's go to the New Testament to the word that was translated to Holy Spirit. And that's pneuma, the P silent. Beth and I were having an argument. We're like, why do they even put the P in there? I don't get it. But it means a current of air, a blast of breath, a strong breeze. Hmm. Sounds a little bit familiar, doesn't it? So once again, we can see why the translators found themselves in a predicament. Because just like calling him a holy breath, probably isn't going to work out too well. Calling him a holy breeze probably isn't going to work out too well either. And let me show you one place of many that this word was actually used in the New Testament. And this is actually Jesus talking in John 6. He says, the very words I have spoken to you are spirit or pneuma and life. Again, seeing this in context makes sense, right? Because Jesus is talking about speaking words and then relating it to a blast of breath, which we know is the very thing that brought us to life. And the thing that keeps us alive. Like God made the first man out of dust, right? And then what did he do to bring him alive? He breathed into him. And here we are still breathing today to remind us of the one who created us, right? So here's the deal. The Holy Spirit wants to bring you alive in a way that you've never experienced before. He is the essence of life. And the only way that you can live your best life is with the Holy Spirit. Like you can't do it without him. And since the Holy Spirit is related to breath, air, and wind, what I want to do is I want to take a look at the characteristics of wind and then kind of parallel it with the Holy Spirit so you can get an idea of the nature of the Holy Spirit. Trust me, this is going to open your eyes. So here's the first one. Wind is unseen. So you live in Oklahoma. So you know, you know all about the wind, right? And aside from the times that it's like blowing 120 miles an hour, when you go outside on a spring or summer day and the, the wind kind of blows across you, it's kind of like, ah, oh, that feels good. But nobody, and nobody's weirded out by that. Actually, if you're outside, like on a stale summer day, and you're probably like wishing for the wind to come. Man, I wish I could feel some wind right now. And when it comes, you just, you love it. Ah, oh, it feels good. But say this about your experience with God while you're here at church, and the person next to you is going to be like, what? What'd you just feel? What are you talking about? Did the air just click on or something? What are, you, what are you talking about? And then you wonder why they've been avoiding you from then on. It's because they think you're crazy, because you're talking about feeling God. 
And then people who are like a little more serious than others kind of get hung up about feeling the presence of God. You know, they say things like, you shouldn't get so hung up on feeling God. God's not a feeling. And you know what? You should never base your Christianity or your faith on feeling God. But that doesn't mean you'll never feel the presence of God. Actually, I believe that God takes delight in the joy and the peace that you feel and that you receive from feeling the presence of God. Has, everybody, has anybody ever felt that? Actually, I actually want you to have a moment like this every moment, like during, one of, during our services here at church, where you're just kind of like, you just kind of standing on, you're like, God's here. Like he's here changing lives and I just know it. I can feel it. And let me show you how Jesus explains the Holy Spirit in John 14. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. Notice it didn't say he's here to spook you. He's here to make you uncomfortable. It didn't say any of that. No, he's here to help you and he's here to be with you. He's your advocate. In other words, like he's on your side and he's your friend. Take a look at what Jesus says next. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. So now you can see why the world is so freaked out by the Holy Spirit. They don't know him. They can't know him. They just say, I can't, I can't see anything. This doesn't make sense to my natural mind. I can't think through this. And sometimes as Christians, we listen to this nonsense and we kind of jump on board with what they're saying. You know, maybe, maybe this is a little weird. Like, I can't quite reason out what's going on here. So, eh, I'm just not going to have any part of it. But here's the deal. You know him because he lives in you. And the Holy Spirit's not a stranger. He's not a weirdo. Like, can you understand him with your mind? No, you sure can't. But how many things have you learned through God's word that actually made sense to you at first? Like none of them, because God's ways are different than the world's ways. Just like last week, um, Don't Look Back, prison ministry was here. Um, that's, a, that's a prison ministry we support. They go into the prisons and, and they make a big difference in lives. And we actually had two people here who were impacted by Don't Look Back when they were in prison, but now they're out of prison and headed towards their best life, which is awesome. And they shared their testimonies. So if you didn't get a chance to hear those, those are on our website, nolimits.church. But after service, I was, I was thanking them for being with us. And there was actually one of the girls that was with them was here for the very first time. She just put her hand on my shoulder and she's like, Kate, it's like this church is awesome. Like I could feel the presence of God while I was here today. And that's not the first time I've heard that from people who come here. Because here's the deal. Even though you can't see the Holy Spirit, there's times you're going to be able to feel his presence just like you feel the wind, but you can't see it. Now, here's the next parallel between wind and the Holy Spirit, and that's wind is unpredictable. Like it blows this way, blows that way, like blows 90 miles an hour, and then it just stops. Stand still, like we don't know what it's going to do. And a lot of us don't like this part of God. We want him to be kind of like tucked in and, and orderly, right? We want to know what he's up to in advance and be able to predict what he's going to do next. Well, I hate to break it to you, but if you live your whole life expecting God to be like this, you're going to live your whole life frustrated because that's just not how God does things. And you know why? Because if God did, did things the same way every time, you'd worship the method instead of him. It's kind of like when people get stuck that thinking that like you have to lay hands on somebody to see them healed, like that's the only way to receive healing. Or you have to have like spontaneous unplanned church services for the Holy Spirit to show up because the Holy Spirit can't move in a plan. And don't get me wrong, I've seen God use, move using both of these methods, but we can't get hung up on the how he does things. We just need to trust that he will do it, even when it's in a way that we would never expect him to do it. Here's a prime example. So in the Bible, we find that Jesus didn't heal people just one way. Like one time, Jesus spit in the dirt and made some mud, 
And then he took it and he put it on somebody's eyes. Then he told him to go wash it off. And you know what's, what's funny about that to me is this guy was blind and then he puts mud over his eyes and then tells him to go wash it in the pool. Like how far away was the pool? And how did he get there? <laughs> anyway, he went and washed and he came back seeing. Other times Jesus cast the devil out and the, and the person was healed. And then there was times that Jesus just commanded the person to do something that they couldn't do before. And whenever they did it, they were healed. And there were even times where God like, or where Jesus healed somebody who wasn't even there. Wasn't even, like they were in another city. One of the relatives came and said, hey, my son is sick. Can you heal him? And Jesus did it. Didn't have to touch him. Didn't have to be in the same room. Jesus healed him. So don't put God in a box and think that he only does things one way because he does things his way, which is the best way. And we have to simply trust him even when it's not what we expect and even when it's unpredictable. And Jesus said it this way. He said, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. Where it's come from, where it's go? Where it's come from? Cotton Eye Joe, right? You're wondering where that song came from. Now we know. So it is with everyone born in the Spirit. So what's interesting about this verse is you'll find that both wind and spirit are the word pneuma. But what Jesus is saying here is that the Holy Spirit has an unpredictable nature. You have things in the Bible like one time, you know, God talked to Moses through a burning bush. But, but he's never done it again that we know of. And we don't, expect him, we don't expect him to burn a bush to talk to us. I don't know. Maybe we should bring some bushes in here and see if that'll help us hear the voice of God. And then one time, some friends brought a blind man to Jesus. And they begged him to touch the man to heal him. In other words, they were like, hey, Jesus, do that laying on a hands thing that you did for all the other people when you healed him and healed my friend. Jesus must have been feeling a little ornery that day because he didn't do exactly what these guys asked him to do. He spit right on the man's eyes. Like he skipped the whole mud thing and just... <laughs> but then he touched him after that. And the man was healed. Now, on a side note, Beth often gets on to me for not doing things like exactly how people expect me to do them. She says something along the lines of, it just, it just has to be your idea, doesn't it? But Beth, I want you, I want you to know I'm in good company. Jesus did it too. But seriously, can you imagine like asking God to heal your friend and then he just like spits in their face? Like here you are, you're like, oh, oh my gosh. Like I was just trying to help my friend out and he's like over there getting a spit bath. It's kind of, it's kind of like when you bring your unchurched friend to church and that's like this, the, the service that the Holy Spirit just moves in a mighty way and people are speaking in tongues and falling out and getting healed. And you're like, I swear, I swear it's not normally like this. But why did Jesus do the spit thing? Because they all thought that laying on of hands, touching was the trick. And he wanted to show them that it wasn't. We have to simply trust him. Again, don't put God in a box and think that he only does things one way because he does things his way and it will always be the best way. So don't put God in a box. Simply trust him even when it's not what we expect and even when it's unpredictable. All right, here's the next one. Wind is powerful. Like it can generate electricity. It can sail a ship. And it can even destroy a city. How many of you guys remember the Moore tornado not too long ago and the Joplin tornado? So we can see that wind has the power to do almost anything it wants to here in our natural world, doesn't it? But when we allow God's power to work in our lives, he will accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Like he has the power to do anything he wants in our natural world and in the spirit. Yet so many of us live our lives in our own power. And then we kind of like, you know, put God in this little Sunday morning box. And then inside of that box is another box because we don't want him to get too crazy at church either, right? So here we are living our lives according to what only we can do in our own power, and it turns out it's pretty lame. 
We can't do a whole lot without the power of God working in our lives. But it doesn't have to be this, that way. Like you can destroy the box that you've put God into and just lose him in your life to do whatever he wants to do. Just like in Acts 1.8, it says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. Here's the deal though, to receive this power, you have to allow the Holy Spirit to come upon you, which means you have to get over all the bad experiences that you've had that turned you off to the Holy Spirit. You have to get over what your grandma said about the Holy Spirit. And you have to even, you have to open yourself up and just say, Holy Spirit, I receive you and I welcome you in my life and I want your power working in my life. Because if you haven't been there already, you're going to get to a point in your life where your power just ain't going to cut it. Like the problem's too big to solve, or the sickness is too much for modern medicine to cure, right? Or the relationship is just too far gone and you don't see how it could ever be recovered. But with the Holy Spirit and his power working in your life, God will accomplish infinitely more than you could even ask, like greater than you could. He can restore that relationship and he can take that sickness, that disease, and just obliterate it when modern medicine couldn't even touch it. He'll take your mess, all the stuff you've done wrong, and use it to prosper you beyond your wildest imagination. Like that's what it looks like to live life with the Holy Spirit's power working in you. All right, here's the last one, and that's wind is refreshing. So it's nothing like getting in your car midsummer, we're about there, when it's been sitting in the sun for a long time, and it's about 180 degrees in there, right? And what's the first thing you do? Roll down the windows, and you let that breeze blow through. So refreshing you know, more refreshing than 180 degrees to have that 100 degree Oklahoma wind blow through. And then what about that, that time that you've been like mowing the lawn, getting all sweaty, and then all of a sudden the, the wind picks up and blows across your, all your sweat and you're like, oh my gosh, that feels so good. Well, listen to me, the Holy Spirit wants to refresh you. Like when you're feeling stuck and you feel like you can't take any more of life, the Holy Spirit just wants to come in like a summer breeze. Makes me feel fine, right? The Bible says it this way, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. But it was to us that God revealed these things by his spirit. In other words, when your eyes can't see any further, and when other people's advice just isn't working anymore, and when your mind's tired, the Holy Spirit can blow in and he can show you exactly the next step for your life. And he can refresh you and give you what you need to keep pressing forward. Because here's the deal, there's no way for us to fulfill our mission here of pursuing limitless life in Jesus without the Holy Spirit's power working in our lives. We can't do it without his power, and we can't do it without his refreshing. Every single one of us needs the Holy Spirit working in our lives. The scripture we just read goes on to say this, for his spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. It's like we don't, we don't have to wonder what God wants to do in our lives when we invite the Holy Spirit to come upon us, because he will reveal everything we need to know even the deepest secrets when we need to know them. So for everyone who came in here today with kind of a negative idea of the Holy Spirit, either because somebody told you to not have anything to do with it, or you had a bad experience at church, I want to encourage you. The Holy Spirit is not crazy, and the Holy Spirit is not destructive. The Holy Spirit is the power of God, and he's the refreshing of God, and you need him in your life. So what I want you to do this morning is just take a deep breath of fresh air and just exhale all those negative things that you've held on to about the Holy Spirit. Because it's time for you to experience his power working in your life. The Bible says it this way, don't grieve God, don't break his heart. His Holy Spirit moving and breathing in you is the most intimate part of your life, making you fit for himself. Don't take such a gift 
for granted. So the question is, how do we allow the Holy Spirit to become the most intimate part of our lives? Well, I want to give you three practical steps this morning. And the first one is you got to let go of fears and misperceptions. We all have them. I bet we've all heard negative things about the Holy Spirit. But we have to let him go. And we have to dive into the Bible and find out for ourselves who the Holy Spirit is. Because we can't base our lives on what other people have told us. We have to base our lives on what the Word tells us. Proverbs 3.5 tells us to trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure out everything on your own. Everything that God has for you is good. I can promise you that. Like, he's not going to put you in a trance and make you go be some barefooted missionary that travels the world. No, whenever you give your life to God and you trust him, he's going to lead you into your best life. And when you get there, you're going to love it. There won't be anything to be afraid of. And don't try to figure it all out in your mind by, by reasoning and, and planning and trying to predict what God's going to do. No, trust God because he's got it. All right, the second one is you got to go all in. It's really astounding, the culture that we live in today. Like America kind of has this idea that we can live our best life by just giving God a little bitty piece of it. Like as long as I show up to church on Easter, that's all I need to do to be good with God. Here's a prime example. Like Sunday mornings in our culture used to be reserved for church, right? But now you have like kids' sports games are scheduled on Sunday mornings. All the stores are open on Sunday mornings so you guys can go shopping. And here, get this. So you know that we use our building as an event center as well. And I'll have people contact me and ask me if they can have their baby shower on Sunday morning. I'm like, I'm sorry, it's already taken. <laughs> and if you're not careful, careful culture is going to pull you into this trap. And you're going to find yourself thinking that it doesn't matter if you make church a priority or not. It doesn't matter if you make giving a priority or not. You'll believe the lie that all God wants from you is to acknowledge Jesus and then come to church a few times a year to make sure you're good. But you'll never live the life that God has for you if you don't go all in. I'm not bringing this up because I want more money or more people at this church. I'm bringing it up because I want you to live your best life. I really do. And for you to do this, you have to go all in with God. You have to make church a priority in your life. And not because I told you, but because you believe what the word said when it told us to never, ever forsake gathering together as believers. Don't forsake it. And you have to make giving a priority and not because I told you to, but because you want to be a part of something bigger than you. And like you want to live a generous life. And just like we talked about last week, you're going to be rewarded for all that generosity here on earth. And you're also storing up treasure where? In heaven. Pretty crazy thing to think about. So if you want to live your best life, the one that God planned out for you long ago, even before you were born, you have to go all in. No more toes in the water. No more straddling the fence. Just give God your all. Make church a priority. Make giving a priority. Make your small group a priority and seek God in your everyday life. Because Jeremiah 29, 13 says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. So there's a condition. That's why I highlighted when. You find God only when you seek him with all of your heart. Like you can't be half in. Because here's the deal. If God's not first on your list, he's not on your list. Because what happens is something comes in to distract you when God's not first on your list. And time goes by and time goes by and time goes by and your life falls apart. And you're sitting there in your chair and all of a sudden it hits you. The reason my life sucks is because God's not in my life anymore. How did this happen? But you don't have to wait for the tragedy. You can go all in right now and you can choose to stay there. All right, third step for you is develop an intimate friendship with the Holy Spirit. 
because this is the Holy Spirit's primary role in your life, is your friend. You see, God has a role in your life. Jesus has a role in your life. The Holy Spirit has a role in your life. And they're all three spelled out in one scripture, 2 Corinthians 13, the amazing grace of the Master Jesus Christ, the extravagant love of God, and the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with all of you. So each person of the Trinity, God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, have a specific role. And we all need all three of these roles working in our lives. And you know, something that really breaks my heart is that most Christians, in reality, only live with one of these roles working in their life. Like they receive Jesus and they're going to heaven, but they really never experience like the love of God, that God really loves them. And they never experience the friendship of the Holy Spirit. So before we go today, I actually want to just break down all three of these for you guys. So God the Father loves me. He loves you. And some of you in this room have yet to settle this in your hearts. Like maybe you've heard about it and it sounds really good, but you're like, God, you know, God couldn't love me. I, I've really messed up my life. Like I've really made a lot of mistakes. You see, one of our core values here, we talked about it earlier, is that we don't waste one moment in regret. Because when you're living in regret, it steals the love of God from your heart. So, you know, we, when, you, when you live in regret, you know, like feeling like you have to, um, feeling sorry for what you've done and just kind of distancing yourself from God, thinking that you can maybe earn his love back by doing those things. The problem is like God's love can't be earned. It's a free gift. He gave it to us. So God loves you because you are his. God created you because he wants you here. And he believes that your life matters. And he loves you so much that he sent his one son. He had one son and he sent him to die a horrific, horrific death for your failures, like so that you could be made right with God. So leave the regret behind because it's not going to help you. And just press into the love of God because it's not going anywhere. Like it's always going to be there. Always ready for you to press in. And then Jesus has a role too. And that's God the Son saves me. Jesus died a horrific and shameful death so that you could have a relationship with God. That's why he did it. He did nothing wrong. Yet he took the punishment for all the wrong that you've done. And after all the suffering, he rose back to life so that we could come alive with him so that we could rise out of our shame and into an intimate relationship with God. That's why Jesus did what he did. And for most people, this is where it stops. Like you have the father and the son in your life, but the Holy Spirit, mm, that's just a little too much. But there's a role that the Holy Spirit wants to play in your life. And it's nothing freaky, it's nothing spooky. It's actually really comforting. You see the Holy Spirit, God, the Holy Spirit is with me. And to be honest, this, isn't, this is something that I don't even fully understand yet. And this year, the Holy Spirit's become closer and more real to me than he ever has been before. Because it's, it's one of those journeys that you build a relationship as you go. But I know that there's an intimacy that I have, haven't experienced yet with the Holy Spirit. But I know that the Holy Spirit's with me. Because when I'm listening, he'll give me like the simplest instructions. You know, it's kind of like when your friend points out something to you that's going to make your life better. And you may not really like hearing it at first. But then later on, you're like, I'm really thankful they told me that. Like, this is something the Holy Spirit does for me. And it's not an everyday thing, but it is often. And sometimes I write it down in this book. And I actually want to share one of those with you this morning. And this is something that I wrote down on April 9th of this year, which is just about a month ago. 
And the Lord spoke to me. He said, stop worrying about growth in numbers in the church because I'm doing a work and you are right on track. So the work he's doing is making us one as a church, like unity, and it's very evident. You see, my mind races to find ways to grow the church in numbers, but right now it's growing in another way. And it's essential we give it time to work out or we will not be ready for the next step. And this is just like, it wasn't like an audible voice, nothing like that. It's just something I knew, like that the the Holy Spirit was speaking to me during my prayer time one morning. You see, the Holy Spirit is working to bring us into unity as a church. And he's not just doing it here at No Limits, he's actually doing it all around the world. And I share this with you because I want you to understand the nature of the Holy Spirit. Like, he wants to give you direction that leads you away from the frustration and overwhelm and into his peace. Like, I could spend like all my time over here just kind of worried about growth in the church and numbers and wanting more people here and want, wanting our finances to grow so we can give more. And all those things are important and I think that they should grow. Or I could step over here and listen to the Holy Spirit where he said, just let me do my work. Like I'm working and you're right on track with my plan for No Limits Church. Like he wants to lead you into that peace. You know what? Not everything that he speaks to me is, is for the church either. I don't want, to, want you to think that the Holy Spirit only talks about church. He actually gives me instructions for like work. Like if I'm sitting in front of my computer and, and coding a website and I put a comma in the right place, I can sit there frustrated and trying to find what's wrong. And the Holy Spirit will speak up and, and show me exactly where it is. And usually I don't listen the first time. I spent another hour trying to figure it out on my own just to find out that it's exactly what the Holy Spirit told me it was. And then there's times that he tells me not to eat something. Honestly, he does. And you know how I know he tells me that? Because sometimes I disobey it. And then I end up with a bellyache. He was just trying to help me. Like, he's not a dictator. He's not telling you things because he wants to, to be the boss in your life or anything like that. He's, he's just trying to help you. So if you feel like you're stuck, and if you feel like you're all alone, what I want you to do this morning is just let the Holy Spirit give you a breath of fresh air. Let go of the fears and misperception and go all in with God and invite the Holy Spirit to become the best friend that you've ever had. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, thank you that you're with us. Help us to understand who you are and and your role in our lives over the next four weeks. We want your power working in our lives. We want your friendship. We want your refreshing. We understand that you're a gift to us and we receive that gift. And Lord, help us to receive the fullness of the gift of the Holy Spirit. Help us to let go of the misperception, let go of the bad ideas, let go of the things that other people have told us about the Holy Spirit. Let go of the bad experiences and just press in to who the Holy Spirit really is, the person of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for being our Father. And Jesus, we thank you for providing grace and saving us from our own failures, our own mistakes. And then we thank you for giving us the gift of the Holy Spirit to be our friend. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Anybody feel refreshed and kind of like put at ease? The Holy Spirit can be a little bit of a tense conversation, but I hope you guys see that it won't be over the next four weeks. It's going to be really good. Change your life.